On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. He always satisfies me on a Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully he does the same for you and guys and gals out there in SEN land. Hello, Carlos. How are you, Half? How are you going? Good, mate. Good. I uh, got a just got a touch of the audio as I was walking into the studio about uh, your previous little hot topic before yes. I come in, uh, Martin Tyler. I'm not sure what the hot topic was, but I just saw his it's name. Iconic broadcast. Uh, absolutely. Iconic sports absolutely. And I, after 40 years, I think uh, the World Cup he just called is probably close to his best. Even though, if you really? listen, if you listen to him even 20 years ago, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, especially when he called the Charlie Yankos. Uh, uh, from downtown top corner special against Argentina in the 4-1 win by our Socceroos on our home ter- territory. Reigning World Cup champions without Diego Maradona, who visited Australia at the time. Right. Charlie Ancos. Uh, I remember Charlie's moment. Oh, my. Uh, half. What Google. year was this? Get on the Google. What is year? This, what, was, what this year? would have been, uh, I reckon, a uh, good one. Yeah, good question. It would have Thank been uh, about 87 or something. Oh, may have been, but it was... Uh, Man, I was 10. I didn't know your game existed. Yeah. Like, it was 10. The listeners out there, if you want a special moment, uh, chills up the spine, gives you gooseys. Google Charlie Ancos, yeah, Charlie Ancos goal against Argentina. I think it's the Sydney Football Stadium. Forget the year. It just my apologies for that. It's about eighty six, eighty seven, I think. Uh, Maybe been eighty eight or something. Eighty eight, eighty eight, and uh, downtown from uh, from nowhere. Well, I, I remember it as top corner, probably a bit lower than top corner. Maybe the keeper misjudged his dive. But that was, it was against the Bicentennial the, Gold Cup, Australia v Argentina, 14th absolute. July 1988, Sydney Football Stadium. 4-1 win. 4-1 win. 4-1. And, uh, and Martin Tyler calls the goal. And the call was just – actually, the call was probably better than the goal. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but the goal was a, a beauty too. So uh, was Frank Arrock leading us that day. Frank Arrock was at, uh, was there. Paul Wade was playing, I believe. Uh, uh, Vlado Bozanovsky, I can remember. Now I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Uh, forget he was in goals. Maybe Jeff Ole was in goals, but uh, yeah, they were the mad dogs. Those guys. I just and, had a look at it. I just saw it. Yeah, fantastic. It's eh? a good goal. Yeah, but the call was better. I think the call might have been better. <laughs> Charlie be feasting off that goal though, and all the sports. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good no, on we you. love it. And the, the way uh, Martin Tyler calls it, uh, it's a bit of a uh, oh, Charlie Yanko! or something like that. With all right due on. respect to the calls get out there, the R and D department yeah, at the back, please, because I can't hear the audio when I watch it on this because the audio is turned down here in a radio yes, of studio, course. as you imagine when you're trying to talk. <laughs> so it's, I've seen it just then, but yeah. I haven't heard it. So I'm going to get R and D to get that call of Charlie Yankos' goal in the 1988. Bicentenary Gold Cup against yep. Argentina, mm. and I'm going to hear it. We're yeah. going to hear it into the break. It's fantastic. R&D be all over that. What's happening, Carlos? What do you got for me? Oh, well, let's get the uh, the stuff that we've been feasting on the last couple of weeks, the FFA Cup, the latest uh, round. Of course, happening? we had all the results last week, but the new round for the last 16, we've got Adelaide City, Thomas Love led. Adelaide Thomas City, Love yes, yeah, uh, versus Brisbane Strikers playing at home. Sydney Olympic versus our very own Bentley Greens. Palm Beach Sharks versus our very own, even more so, South Springvale. South Springvale, yes, uh, of course. Rolling. 
Got Adelaide, the whole competition rolling yeah, south. Oh Springvale. yeah, we've got to jump on board with uh, Bentley Green South Springvale. We've got uh, Adelaide United versus Brisbane Raw, which is an all A League uh, encounter. That one there, Olympic FC versus Central Coast Mariners, Sydney United fifty eight. FC versus Sydney FC. Now, this is a very special one. Local derby. Well, it is. Uh, and uh, former NSL powerhouse in Sydney United against uh, a team that call themselves a big club uh, in Sydney, Sydney FC. FC. Oh, Mark, Ru- yeah, Mark Rudan is the coach of Sydney United, who actually oh, captained Sydney FC in the in the early years of the A-League. So that's a very uh, emotional really, time for him. I've heard Mark Rudan speak about that on Fox Sports. They've been really successful, haven't they? Yeah, they've been really years. good. Yeah, no, he's, he's been a very, many people thought that he should have got the Sydney job before Graham Arnold, but then again, he's he hasn't he would have been a rookie coach and there would have been a bit of an experiment. But he'll he'll have his time because he's obviously a really good expert comments man on uh, Fox Sports and and uh, he can coach because he's showing it at the moment. Uh, Tugger and Ong United versus Melbourne Victory. That's an away game. Tugger and United. Yes, that's a away game the, in Canberra. The Tuggers. Yes, <laughs> we're playing the Tuggers. Absolutely, are we? an away game in Canberra, which will be that'd be an interesting one to go to. And of course, the other one we've got to get on board with is St Albans Saints versus Perth Glory at home. Are we? Got St Albans. St Albans. There so how many Victorian teams are in there? There are four, four. including Melbourne Victory. Uh, but St Albans Saints versus Perth Glory. I'm just wondering, where are they going to play that? Uh, our friends out there at St Albans, tell us whether you're going to be playing at Churchill Reserve. If it is Church, I think it's Churchill Reserve. Uh, they're in St Albans, or were you going to play it at some other stadium? But Surely uh, Amy Park's booked. Well, Surely. Yeah, well, we just go straight to Amy Park. Well, I'd like to see it at Churchill Reserve, to tell you the truth. You, yes. Home ground advantage? Oh, I, I tell you what. It, it's, uh, Have it's you a, played out there? Yeah, many times when I was a kid. You've been a pillar yeah. for those problems. Well, it was terrific for the for the boys with a heavy touch. That's me. Because uh, <laughs> that was a great excuse. Because the ground wasn't all... Very, it wasn't all that uh, well uh, looked after at the time because they played a lot of junior games on there and senior games. A bit of a cow paddock, but mm. it tested the skills. These days, it's just smooth. They tell me, absolutely, yep. And uh, I think there's stuff. a pretty, there's pretty much a, uh, a, a a gale that goes straight down the ground too. Oh, so depending on where. <laughs> Hate that. Yeah. So, so uh, when are those games? We got the dates for that. Uh, yes, the dates. So I'll have to have a look at the, the dates. Are the sixteenth of September and the twenty third of September. Those right, two. Okay, those two weekends. Yeah, those, those two, two weekends. Oh, excellent news. Well, there you go. The mighty Melbourne Victory taking on the Tuggers. Uh, that's a big news in Canberra. That'll be huge when the Victory come to town. Of we're all over the Snowbourne Saints. We love Springy yep. South. And Bentley Greens. And Bentley Greens, yep. of course. So we're backing all our boys there in the FFA Cup. Carlos, uh, just before we get on to the hot topic for the day, yep. um, I want to talk to you about Balotelli. Yep. Now, <laughs> it's become a significant deal in the transfer season. Not yep. quite for the price tag of uh, Di Maria. I'm sure we'll get to that at some mm. stage as well. What uh, what does this mean for Liverpool? You lose one lunatic yep. in Luis Suarez, and you bring in another one. How does um, how does Brendan Rodgers deal with this? It, what sort of operations well, are you going to run with the Bellatelli program? It's interesting because people talk about Luis Suarez being a lunatic, but he hardly played poorly. I mean, you didn't have to motivate uh, Luis Suarez. He's on the ground. He played well nearly all the time. Right. Uh, his problems were those moments of madness where he decided to bite a player or you know be racist against another player, whatever it may be. But he hardly let you down by way of performance on the field. The problem with Mario Balotelli is, even though he's got a fantastic scoring record, even the, even the team uh, AC Milan, the last team he was with, and they've let him go for £16 million, pound, which is a, 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 de- a deal, and you wonder why. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's maybe a bit too much 
trouble in the change room. He scored 30 goals in 54 games for them. I mean, the guy does perform, but he's, he's not what you call a team man. He's not a bloke who, uh, who easily fits into the, uh, you know, the, I don't know, the, the norms of a team and what's expected of a team. And oh. uh, I think he's, uh, in that way, he's looked upon as a, a very disruptive uh, sort of a player. Jose Mourinho, who had him at, uh, at uh, Inter Milan, or, yeah, where'd they, where'd, Jose Mourinho had him Inter Milan, that's right, and, uh, and just really couldn't get the best out of him. And he's one of the best coaches in the world. Roberto Mancini, couldn't, we saw him even fight him at training at Manchester City. <laughs> I mean, he grabbed him, they, they wrestled at training Terrific. because he wasn't listening. So he must be a, a really horrible, horrible player to coach. But he's brilliant. He's one of the best players uh, of, of this generation on his day, but he just doesn't do it enough. And they're talking at 24 or 25, this is his last chance. Would you believe that? I mean, after what he's done, he's won championships in Italy, won a championship in England, played for Italy in World, in, uh, in World Cups and also uh, European championships. Um, just a real problem child. And Liverpool, having moved on Suarez, have got this guy in, it's a huge risk, a huge risk, and I'd love to know what... Brendan Rodgers doesn't seem to me, it doesn't come across to me, Carlos, as a risk taker. He yeah. likes things, just from what I see from the outside, is he, he's a very controlled individual, he's in full control of his situation, he wants team, he talks about team a lot, mm. and then he goes and gets, obviously, a, a terrific talent, there's yeah. no denying that. Gets a guy like Bellatelli. What, what about Brendan Rodgers, do you think, gives him the, the confidence that he'll be able to control Mario Bellatelli? Well, all the all the stuff that's coming out of England at the moment by way of how we should handle him, I and mean, some of the best coaches in the world haven't been able to handle him. Yeah. They're saying that he should be treated as an adult. Not be. You know, they're saying a lot of the, his managers in the past have tried to be surrogate fathers to the guy, uh, or, or trying to or trying to be a, like a mentor to him. So be firm but fair. Well, do what, we need to be firm but fair? What, with Mario? what Brendan Rogers? What the advice to Brendan Rogers is is just treat him like an adult and just. Treat him on his performance and what he does. If he's up to it, he plays. If he's not, just treat him like every other player. Uh, because apparently Mario Balotelli can see right through people who are trying to be his like surrogate father or his mentor or whatever. He doesn't need. He doesn't want that apparently. But I mean, he hasn't shown the consistency of behaviour to be able to to not bring that out in people. You know, to want to help him because of his enormous talent. So. Oh. Now, Brendan Rodgers come out saying, look, Liverpool are built on family values. It's a family club, and behaviour is really, really important. If that's the case, they've got a time bomb that they've uh, recruited. Now, I don't know. It's, it's one of those ones where I didn't understand it. Uh, if he plays well, it's going to be fantastic. But how long? But he always plays well when he joins a club. Mm. He's always a star when he first joins him. It's when he's there and he's almost getting a bit bored with it, that's when it sort of starts going a bit haywire. So... I'd love to hear from our Liverpool fans out there. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you excited? Are you willing to you know, take the pain for all the good stuff that he might do? I'd love to hear from our Liverpool fans out there, or any EPL fans, or anyone out there who's got an opinion. Yeah, 949, 11, 16. We'll get them after the break. Carlos with us until 2 o'clock. As we go to that break, and uh, the lines are open, there's a couple of calls already getting on, jumping on, want to have a discussion with Carlos. So let's have a listen to... Uh, the call, yes. which may in fact be better than the goal. I'm gonna, I'll judge it because I've seen the visual of Charlie Enkos' goal in the Bicentennial Gold Cup, Australia v Argentina, July 14, 1988 at Sydney Football Stadium. I know that stuff now. It's in my head now, Carlos. We're going to listen to Charlie Enkos' goal. If you've seen the goal, let us know what you think via the commentary. What's better, the goal or the commentary? Here's Charlie at his best. Enkos got up his sleeve this time. It's a great goal.
the save. Got a springy mode pants. Hope you're enjoying the show as well, Carlos Alberto Diego. Talking the world game with us, and we were touching on the Balotelli move to Liverpool before the break. Have you got your say on that? You want to get it aired on 11.16 SEN, 9.429.11.16. Paul is on the road, wants to get involved. G'day, Paul. Carlos and Half, how are we? Good, Good mate. Thank you. That's the way. Um, I'm, uh, I'll get it started from the top. I'm a Spurs fan. So oh, you'd be happy pretty happy, wouldn't you, Paul, after happy, the weekend? Yes, very happy with Mr. Pochettino. Mm. He seems to be uh, seems to be doing what we want to do, but what I'm what I'm actually calling about is to mark it in your diary Sunday night, ten thirty Australian time. Mara Bellatelli loses his lid at, at White Hart Lane. <laughs> That's my prediction. Well, the, the, the Spurs supporters have been known to uh, you know, you know, be a bit uh, I don't know a bit harsh on opposition players, and uh, given that he's got a short fuse, I, I reckon he'd be a target. Absolutely, and uh, him and Kabul, I reckon, will go head-to-head. Head. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Look, I, I think Mario Balotelli is one of those guys, once you sign him, he's good for you for, you know, maybe half a season a season. He's, in fact, he's brilliant. People think he's changed. Mm. Uh, he did it at Milan. He does it everywhere he goes. And, uh, and I think uh, you won't see too many problems from him this season. So maybe that's what he's done. Maybe Brendan Rodgers says, look, he'll give us a, a one good season until we find that player to really replace Luis Suarez. Because I don't think he can see Mario Balotelli as a long-term uh, solution because he's never been able to sort of uh, really, you know, impact a club long-term. He's always... But you know, I, I call it being bored. He just gets bored, yep. and suddenly, you know, when when he feels he's comfortable, he feels he can sort of stretch the rules and do things. So I, I think you get a good year out of him, maybe a good half season to a full season. But then after that, I don't, don't think he's any good to you. There was uh, an SMS before, Carlos, saying that uh, he used to drive around the streets mm. of Manchester just dishing out cash to people. Yeah, so, no, he's is that what happens when yeah, you get rich? He just yeah, dishes out cash? But he's also, you know, uh, lit a firecracker, actually a fireworks in his bathroom. Well, it's a uh, safe it, place to do it. Well, that's the thing. Know, yeah. But this is like he, I just think he gets bored. He's one of these guys who's got so much money from a young age, independently wealthy now. He, uh, he you know, there, there's talk of you know stories about him. You know, 48 hours before a big game, going to curry houses and uh, and just eating all the wrong food and and driving around at night at all hours and we being all have so, a butter chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a beef in the loo man myself, <laughs> but uh, but you know he's a, he's a guy that is. I think he's just. I don't know. I'm not sure whether he's had the right guidance in his life to to know what's appropriate, you know, in his profession or, or just generally. He's just a guy who's just had a lot of money for a long time. They reckon he's really intelligent. He's an intelligent guy, but just I think he just gets bored and uh, and things go wrong when that happens. Right, huh? sounds like an interesting cat to me. We'll see how he goes with Liverpool. They lost three uh, one to Man City on Monday yeah. morning. I think it was. Does does he fill a, an important hole there at the moment? We're seeing that game and seeing what Liverpool had. Does he come in and just make a massive difference straight away? Well, I, I think he'll make a difference to them because he's, he'll help uh, Raheem Sterling and, and some of the other young guys in that side. Uh, and especially in the early stages would be really good. Yep. But uh, I, I think Liverpool need a lot more. They just were completely outplayed by Man City. It wasn't about the fact that they didn't have a strike force up front that could put away goals. or They just... 
you know, they really were outplayed. And I think Man City made a real statement, given that Liverpool were the closest rivals at the end of last season. And I think they made a real statement in that game. I think they did it quite quite easily in the end. And uh, them and Chelsea at the moment are the ones who really seem like they've got the robustness to, to go on and, and sort of set the pace for the rest of the season. We don't look into it before Christmas, Carly. No, that's no, exactly no. right. John's in Glen Huntley. G'day, John. Yeah, g'day, boys. Um, I'm a, a Wolverhampton supporter. They've just gone up into the championship um, division. Um, I was wondering, do you, do you think they're good enough to do what they did in the 50s and go through into the Premier League? And are Silco and Dico good enough to play in the um, Premier League? Well, I don't know, mate. I mean, I, I've got to do a bit of homework on Wolverhampton, but oh, gee, they were one of my favourite teams back in the 70s and 80s. You know, John Richards, uh, Keith Hibbert, uh, uh, there was a couple of other great players. Uh, Derek Dugan was playing for them back then. De- John, that was just a terrific side. And they used to play at Molyneux, this stadium, before they rebuilt it, where the crowd seemed to be below the, below the ground level. So all you could see were heads. When, oh, really? Yeah, it, just, it was just the weirdest thing from a young Australian kid watching, you know, the big match. And, uh, gee, they were a terrific side, though. And uh, they, had the, they had the orange and, obviously, the orange uh, tops with the, with the black sort of, uh, sort of uh, frills around it and, uh, and the black shorts. And they're just a terrific uh, swashbuckling sort of a team. And uh, so I haven't seen much about them uh, in the last couple of years there, John. But uh, the, the latest star, which I, I suppose a few years ago now, Steve Bull was their big star a few years ago. And he actually went on to play for England. But I, I don't know too much about them, John. But, look, if they were good enough to get in the championship, uh, maybe give them a couple of years, they'll be good enough to get in the EPL too. Go the Wolves. Yeah, well, I mean, Burnley, I mean, Burnley were, were in the same sort of mould as uh, Wolverhampton as far as the sort of team. They spent a bit of time in the lower leagues, yep. and now they're in the, in the EPL. So Reading were the same. So there's no reason why these sides, if they're well set up and they've got some good resources around them and good coaching, uh, there's no reason why they can't make EPL. While we're talking EPL and a bit of transfer stuff with Bellatelli before today, I learned that uh, Samuel Ito has uh, signed with Everton yeah. uh, on a free transfer. I think his deal was up uh, at the end of last year. Good move for Everton. Is that big for them? I think, it, you know, I'm not sure where they'll have him as a... I'm sure he wants to be the number one striker there. But they've got Lukaku there. They've got uh, Naismith. And they've got uh, another couple of young guys. Morales is there too, who can score goals. So it's either to add a little bit more depth to that striking department... Uh, or, or, or they might just see that he's got so much class and he's got so much good history that they might put him in straight away. But I think it's all about just building a bit more depth there at Everton under uh, Martinez. He's a fantastic uh, uh, man- manager and, uh, and you know, they, they did very well towards the end of last season. So maybe they've just seen that they needed some quality depth in the forward half and, uh, and he's a good pickup and they would have got him for nothing anyway. So. A couple of mm. uh, SMS fans, Everton fans, very happy that uh, mm. Mr. Ito's found his way to Everton and go the mighty toffees. They keep telling me off the SMS. So there you go, a bit of uh, news there from the EPL. Just um, tease our hot topic, Carlos, for after the break. Uh, you've come in here yeah. with, uh, you've done some very, very good research. We had a chat about that during the news, about the future of Australian football and uh, some of the naysayers out there may have just got to the touch wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of commentators, that, you know, and they're players and coaches in the game coming out uh, before the last World Cup and saying, that the golden generation's over, we've got nothing coming through, it's all over. And we're going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be a drought really for, until the next generation comes through. Well, I, I'm going to debate that because uh, we've got some facts and figures about how the boys are going right now in a couple of leagues and we'll just talk about you know, what they've achieved, especially in the last week or so, some of them, and the ages they're at. 
compared to the ages of our so-called golden generation and when they started to make a bit of an impact. I just want to throw it out there and get people's opinion too. If you want to have your say on, on that, if you want to debate that with Carlos, 9429-1116 is the open line number. You can give us a call during the break and line up and have a chat to the great man, Carlos Alberto Diego from 4diegos.com, at 4diegos on Twitter, and of course, 11pm till midnight every Wednesday. The boys get together on Melbourne's home of sport, 1116 SEN. They'll do so again tonight. But Carlos will be back with us live after this. 24-2, Carlos Alberto Diego is with us and we're talking the World Game today. He's thrown open the, uh, the discussion about the future of Australian football and the quality of the, the next generation of players. A lot of naysayers out there saying that it's nowhere near what we had with the golden generation, Carlos, and we're a long way from being yep. any good ever again. Now, I want to sort of preface all this by saying we don't have a Harry Kuehl. And we don't have—I I don't see a Harry Kuehl coming out of the woodwork in this generation. So let's get that out of the way because people are going to argue. But where's the Harry Kuehl? Now, if it's a one-man golden generation, I'm wrong. Right. Okay, but it's not a one-man golden generation because the generation's more than one man. You would think so. Exactly right. Correct. So, so uh, and Harry—the reason why I say Harry's sort of exempted here from this uh, this argument, this debate—is because he went over as a 16-year-old. He was almost a star straight away. Played for Leeds at 18. Uh, it was just a star, uh, and he was one of the best young players in Europe by the time he was 21, yep. one of the best players in Europe by the time he was 21. So he's a freak, and we don't have anyone that I can see in this generation that will replicate that. But all the other golden generation guys like Lucas Neal, Tim Cale, Mark Viduka, Brett Emerton, uh, anyone in that, Vinnie Grella, Mark Bresciano, a lot of them started making their mark uh, and people started taking notice when they were about 23, 24. Right. They made their move from their smaller clubs to the bigger clubs. In Viduka's case, it was from uh, Dinamo Zagreb to Celtic. When it was uh, Lucas, Mill was Mil- uh, Lucas Neal was Millwall to Blackburn Rovers. Timmy Cale, at 24, went from Millwall to Everton. Right. Um, Brett Everton from Feyenoord to Blackburn Rovers. So if you're saying that these guys uh, were a part of our golden generation. Well, that's when they started making their mark and started. And before that, people were saying, "Yeah, decent player," but you know, they would never have defined them as part of a golden generation. Now, I want to compare that to the young guys that we've had post World Cup. And by the way, these guys I'm going to talk about have had the benefit of a fair income World Cup in the group of death by the time they're 23. Group of death, 22, 23 year olds. They've had the group of death experience. A lot of death. Whereas all these other guys from the golden generation never had that at that age, right? So you reckon it would have benefited benefit them going forward. Jason Davidson overnight scored the winning penalty for West Bromwich Albion against uh, Oxford United in the Capital One Kissing Your Sister Cup. <laughs> right? I knew there'd be a sister being yeah, kissed yeah, somewhere Yeah, today. that's right. He uh, not only scored the winning penalty, best on ground. Man of the match. Man of the, the match. Man of the match in Mom. that game. Uh, they threw him in early. Uh, because he needed match practice, but they didn't think he was going to last. But he played 120 minutes and uh, running up and down the line. And the coach, you get on the get on Google and get on YouTube, and you can hear uh, Irvine, the uh, the coach of uh, West Bromwich Albion, saying how poorly they played. But he did have a lot of great stuff to say about Jason Davidson. A huge, huge kudos to him for that. Right, that's uh, good news. Man- Half time zone, Jason Davidson. Absolutely, he's one of ours. And uh, and by the way, on the weekend, came on for his first game. Uh, against Southampton in the last 30 minutes and did quite well in that game there too. So uh, already this guy, and by the way, he had a great World Cup. So yep. it's not just on the back of these two things. He had a great World Cup and he's already had full seasons in Portugal and Holland. So this guy's got a bit of a background behind him. Matthew Leckie on the weekend, he's had his injury problems. I think uh, lower body, 
lower body. Right, okay, uh, lower body. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking lower body, uh, upper upper thigh. Right. <laughs> so he's looking groins. Some groin groin regions. Yeah, groin problems. Uh, but he played on the weekend. No good groin problems. Yeah, good. another man of the match performance. Uh, scored a goal, made another in the in his team's win, and now they're in the top three or something in, in the Bundesliga too. But that's on the back of a great World Cup. Yep. And so everyone's looking at him too. Matty Ryan, we know, was Belgium goalkeeper of the year last season. Not Things aren't going so well for him this year. This year, I think they've started a bit shaky, but he's still a, a damn good keeper. Josh Brillante didn't even make our World Cup side. Signed from uh, Newcastle Jets, I believe, to um, Fiorentina and Serie Played all their preseason friendlies. In fact, he played against Real Madrid in one of the friendlies, and the coach loves him. That's right. in Italian City. Yeah. So, so what, what we're talking about is this situation. Tommy Orr, by the way, on the weekend, he's only 22. By the way, Tommy Orr. Tommy Orr, formerly the Brisbane Royal. Absolutely. He's, uh, he's playing great football over there in Holland at the moment too. Now, all these guys, except for Josh, I think Josh is still only 19 or 20, but uh, you know, Jason Davidson's 23, Matthew uh, Leckie's 23, Tommy Orr's 22, Matty Ryan's 21, would you believe? Now, all these guys... I'll, I'll argue that they're doing as much in in their career right now, um, and I might even argue even doing more, given that they've had that World Cup experience behind them, yeah. than the so-called John generation, which I respect highly. But to say that we don't have the next rung coming through, that's wrong. Unless you want to argue the Harry Kuehl debate, which we don't have a Harry so are, are we saying maybe, Carlos, that there's looking the, the stocks look a bit... Deeper at this point in time, as opposed to maybe the class being a little bit, a little bit off. I, I, yeah, there could be an argument for that. There could be an argument for that. By the way, Mark Swartz, uh, Robbie's coming back now. Uh, Is he back yet? Uh, yeah, they reckon they're going to have to loan him out because he needs match practice. He's, he's agitating a little bit there. He's not giving him much of a game. Agitating. So I think he's uh, he wants to move on. But, uh, but Mark Swartz is the other one. Mark Swartz is 41 now. But when he broke through to Middlesbrough, which is really his first big move from Bradford City, yep. he was 24. You know, Manny Ryan's 21, Belgium goalkeeper of the year, okay? And in a, in, a, in a pretty good Belgium league at the moment. So that's producing great players all around the world. So, yeah, my argument is that uh, we've got nothing to worry about, I reckon. I reckon this next rung is not only going to equal, with the exception of Harry Kuehl, yep. equal the golden generation. They might even surpass the golden generation. Well, if you want to disagree, yep. you're welcome to do so. If you want to agree, he's quite like that, I'm sure. Nine forty nine, eleven sixteen. You're talking about other leagues getting some recognition. Andrew on the road wants to pick that pick up that point. G'day, Andrew. Good afternoon, guys. Oh, Good, how mate. you doing? Um, yeah, look, I I love NC, SEN. That that's really good reporting. But every time you talk, you're listening to about soccer, it's EPL, EPL, EPL. Not very often do you speak about other leagues unless you're reporting like you were just doing then about Australian players playing in these leagues. You know, they did play soccer in the continent, as they call it in Australia, but, you know, two of your best players in Europe, probably in the world, play in Spain. Uh, nominations for some of the best players, Bundesliga. We never get much of uh, opportunity to hear about these other competitions. This is your line, open line, mate, Andrew. Tell us more, mate. What do you want? <laughs> well, I'm a I'm a uh, white through and through Real Madrid. Right. right. I can never hear anything about Real Madrid 
in SEN. Well, I can understand. Well, I can understand you're not listening all day, every day. But uh, Carlos, you and I spend a bit of time on Real Madrid because I quite yeah. like just saying Real Madrid. That's yeah. one of the one of the reasons, Andrew. You can't hang, yeah. hang listen all day, every day. And you're not going to miss it all. But yeah. you, all, I can, miss it all I can say to Andrew is, mate, we would love to have three hours to talk about world footy. And uh, the way we choose our topics, whenever I've got this precious hour in the middle of the day, which yes. is pretty unique uh, across, I think, radio in Australia, having uh, one hour dedicated to football at this time. Um, is that we just pick the hot topics at that time. And where I can, because there's a lot of interest in Australian players all over the world, what they're doing, how they're failing, how they're succeeding, you know, the soccer is, we try and stick on that. And by the way, we say an hour with ads and stuff, it's 43 minutes or something. So we narrow the focus yeah, a bit. Yeah, we try, Andrew, but, uh, mate, lobby for three hours at this time. We can fit it all in. Listen, when the Champions League's on, Andrew, there's plenty of Real Madrid yeah. discussion going on there. Don't worry about that. And there's not too many people doing what we do. So yeah. from that point of view... It's, it's a good thing. Uh, we'll get to a break, Carlos. Caught the two. Thanks for your call, Andrew. The lines are open. If you want to talk about Real Madrid, Carlos is all over that sort of stuff. Not a great strength of mind, as you would well know. But happy to facilitate the discussion and get around you. If you want to, you know the number, 9429-1116. More with Carlos after this. 11-2, to 2, Carlos Alberto Diego is with us talking the world game. Of course, the boys are back tonight from 11pm, 11 till midnight. Tonight, every Wednesday night on Melbourne's home sport, 11-16 SEN. Carlos, uh, just to some other news going around. Well, the, one of the biggest storylines in the off-season was, of course, the acquisition by Manu of Louis van Gaal. Yes. Uh, your man. Your man, Louis. <laughs> now, um, how is he going this morning when they get beaten 4-zip? In the cap, in the kissing sister yeah, cup yep, style yep. number to Milton Keynes Dons, yep. MK Dons, yep. MK Dons, four nil, four nil, four nil. Now I'm assuming I haven't seen the squads, but I'm assuming it wasn't quite the first team out there. No, that was a second. Str- it was a second string Man U side, but it was Manchester United, right? And you'd think that their second string, uh, because all the big big teams around the world have good depth. Mm. Uh, but uh, of that team, I, I probably recognise Johnny Evans. He was a captain. Uh, he played. He's played centre half for the seniors. Uh, De Gea, I think the goalkeeper was in the team. Uh, Javier Hernandez was there. Chicharito was in the team. But yep. uh, Anderson, I think, was there. But so they had enough quality to do better than four nil. But they were slaughtered this morning, 4-0. Of course, on the back of the one-all draw against Sunderland the weekend, and then uh, your boy Sunderland on the weekend, who should have probably got Should've the points. Won. And it's then uh, the, the loss in the first round. They're a team in crisis right now. And by the way, desperately trying to get some good news before the game, uh, before the Capital One game, they had they announced the signing of uh, Angel Di Maria, the Argentinian from yes. Real Madrid, quality player, quality player, 109 million Australian dollars, which is a British record, and uh, so that, you know, good on them. But it's they need a, lot a few, of money, yeah, they need they need a they need more than that though. And there's arguments given that Van Hal plays a three-five-two formation mm. that this guy's an out-and-out winger. So uh, you need to play a 4-3-3 or something like that to accommodate him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether that's a panic buy or whether it's well thought out, even though I rate Di Maria. I think he's a fantastic player. Right, so $110, bucks for, $110 million for, for a pinch hit? Yeah, a, a player not – well, you know he's a great player, but whether the formation suits him and whether English football suits him, that's the other thing. Um, I thought he was fantastic in the World Cup, by the way. I thought he was better than Messi for many of those games until he got injured and he didn't play later in you know, the last couple of games of the tournament. But Di Marie's a great player. And no. you don't play for Real Madrid the, and get a regular game with the likes of Bale and, and Ronaldo and all the big names in that squad. Mm. Always picked Di Maria, always playing, if, unless you're a great player. Oh, and I, he is a great player. I love the discussion about the formations, the 3-5-2 that Van Hal plays. How, 
a steadfast. How rock solid is that? Is there ever a change? Does it ever go to a four four two or a four three three or a four three one? Well, well if you look at uh, Van Hal's uh, profile and look at his reputation, all the players who's ever played under him, all the coaches hate him. Uh, just he's very rigid with uh, what he does. Even ha- having said that, though, against Australia, he went uh, with a certain formation that first half when we were hammering them in the World Cup, made changes, and the pl- and their team played better in the second half. So. I, yeah, whether he whether he changes the formation to accommodate De Maria, you don't want to suddenly buy this player and him being a flop because you're not, you know, you're not playing a form uh, a style of play or a formation or set out a formation that's uh, going to suit him. So yeah, mm, we will wait and see on that. Mm. Certainly, plenty of cameras and discussion on that yeah. one. I would have thought in the coming months for Man U. Um, just before we get to Matty Preston, Giroud for Arsenal out for 10 weeks too. I saw that this morning. He was all right in the weekend too. Yeah, I didn't see him get injured, but I, I thought he was fought, fantastic. He came, yeah, he came on the Arsenal fans out there. I thought he played his best game for you, but he came on as a substitute and he was just dynamite. Just, you know, he scored a great goal. He was so powerful up front. You know, the the, the defenders were just, the Everton defenders were just bouncing off him. So, uh you, I mean, you just mentioned before that he'd been out for ten weeks with, with some sort of foot injury, and I, I didn't, I hadn't heard that at all. So that's a that's a big blow for Arsenal. Even though he only came on uh, on off the bench on the weekend, so that was interesting that uh, he didn't start. Fresh him up, fresh mm. him up. Matt's in Preston. G'day, Matt. Hey, you going there, boys? Yeah, good. good. Yeah, well, guys, we're in the other corner. I think you guys talk too much EPL. Right but, um, but, you know, that's just me. My product, I'm Italian, and I love Italian football. Just um, on... Uh, and plus, plus um, uh, as you know, Champions League playoffs are play today as well. So I'm a big Napoli supporter. Hey, I reckon um, Bananas will go in his second year. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I love Napoli too. They're, they're my team in Italy there, Matt. And uh, having spent some time there in the 80s, I just love the place, you know. Uh, and of course, I you know have fond memories because I watched Maradona play there. And uh, and of course, through that whole era of the late 80s, he was just a, a god in that area. So uh, I'm always keeping an eye on uh, how Napoli go. How, as far as Raf Benitez go, I think he's done pretty well with the side, given that he was much behind. Couldn't get a job almost after the Liverpool disaster. So... Uh, or actually, almost no, it wasn't a disaster. He got chased out of town a little bit, and it sort of uh, was made to look uh, incompetent at times with, by other coaches and, and the media. And he probably didn't help himself the way he reacted to that. But I think he's been pretty good. Um, and you know, I think Rafinha's got a, a good success when he's had the team for a while. So I'm expecting uh, a, you know a, an improved performance by Napoli this season. And if they play in Europe and they go deep, they've got a manager who actually knows how to go deep in Europe because he's won UEFA cups. He's done really well uh, in Champions Leagues before. So yeah, I like Rafinha, but sometimes I think he, he, you know people have got a, a funny perception of him because of the way he reacts at different times. He can react as well as he likes, or mm. as, as he likes when they're winning, Carlos. Yep. No one cares how you react when you're winning. Exactly right. It's funny thing, yep. It's a funny thing about sport. Five to two, we'll get to a break. More Carlos after this on halftime. Stick around. Coming up to two o'clock, news fix after that. Then Jason Richardson is our hump day hero on halftime. Looking forward to catching up with Richo. Uh, now, we're on the countdown to the A League season, Carlos. How far? How many days? We're on the, the days countdown. Uh, I, have, I don't have the exact how days, minutes, hours, seconds, uh, right. but it's October. <laughs> it's in October, so, <laughs> so we'll have to 
double check that one for you. And just on the FFA Cup, which we were talking about before when the Round 16 draw was announced today, how deep does that go into the A-League season? Uh, When's the final? No, that? the final's Australia Day, I believe. Hang on, let me Australia just, Day? Yeah, let me just see. I've got my little paperwork here. Oh, you've got, oh, look at it. Look at you. Yeah, You're yep, a yep. machine, you are. Uh, the uh, quarterfinals are oh, sorry, it's around the 16th, September, 16th and 23rd. Quarterfinals are the 14th, uh, 21st. 28th and 4th of, sorry, 14th, 21st, 28th of October and the 4th of November. Semi-finals, 11th and 25th of November and the final, sorry, 16th of December. So it goes into the A-League. I'm not sure whether they have the weekend off and everyone celebrates the final. Let's hope it's a a giant killing performance. Can you tell me a bit of feedback about the Uzbekistan 3rd Division? Because we're getting an SMS saying we don't talk enough about that. Next week, can you just give me a little bit of love for the Uzbekistan 3rd Division? Because... Someone knows someone who knows someone who went there one day and saw a game. If we can fit in, because we're going to do Maltese uh, Super League next week too. Are we good? Well, that just about rounds off the globe of football, Carlos. (laughs) Goodness gracious me. Looking forward to hearing all about Maltese football tonight on the Fort Diego from 11pm. Thanks, pal. Thanks, mate. You're a good man. Carlos Alberto Diego. Follow them on Twitter at Fort Diego's. More information at fortdiegos.com. But always, 11 to 12 in the evening on a Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday night, of course, on Melbourne Time of Sport, 1116 SEM.